J3 Youth Ministry Podcast. The J3 Youth Ministry Podcast. I'm Jonathan Hobbs. And I'm John Chafee. I'm Johnny Radcliffe, and welcome to episode five. We made it. Woo! We made it to the fifth episode. That's right. Quieting the doubters. Absolutely. (laughs) We made it there. And um, they said it couldn't be done. They could. (laughs) Uh, So today we're jumping into this with. Chaz, can we just can we just stop right there? Chaz, Chaz, Chaz Howard, Fasa. smooth Chaz. Oh, I love uh, Chaz, which uh, is not a bad nickname for him because the way this dude speaks, I mean, it, it just hits my soul. Yeah, actually, even when he said his name was Charlemagne at first, I totally believed it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I was like, uh-huh. no, that yeah. works. Well, you know why? Makes. Because I feel as though he's always authentic. Yes, mm. always. Yeah. Yeah. That's what stands out to me. Mm-hmm. And he's always calm. Always. Always. There you go. Has a beautiful, Smooth beautiful jazz, voice. Jazz. Yeah. You could listen to him read a cookbook and you're like, that's deep. Yep. That is deep. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. at, the, at, at the end, you're, you're going to hear this. We talk about comic books. And even that, I was like, good. Oh, that's mm-hmm. good. That's good. Preach. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the way you feel. Yeah. Love this guy, though. Uh, absolutely uh-huh. incredible yeah. guy. Even so. more than that, when you listen to this guy, there there's just... Depth. There's depth bubbling out of him. Like mm-hmm. you, you listen to this podcast, you, you listen to him speak, and you feel like, you know, like Moses coming down from the mount, like the glowing face. <laughs> right. yeah. Your face is going to glow after you listen to this. I think I'm so. sorry. Uh, we apologize ahead of time. Be careful. But you won't even be mad about it. That's right. Um, it's just that good. And listening to him, the, these type of uh, people who like just love Jesus to this extent really challenge my faith and say, like, man, I want that. Absolutely, so, um, it's it's fantastic, and it's today we're really talking a lot about racial issues and about yeah. mm-hmm. um, just things that we need to start thinking and having these conversations. We need to get a better grasp of, mm-hmm. um, yeah. especially as the church. Mm-hmm. I'll uh, I'll talk a little bit more about some of the stuff uh, that Chaz and I even got to talk about that we we didn't record, which is even. More amazing, I think. Uh, but just as a heads up, but we, we, he talks about his book. Uh, definitely check it out, Pond, River, Ocean, Rain. Uh, you can even just Google him. Uh, he did a TEDx talk uh, when, when uh, TEDx uh, University of Pennsylvania. Uh, he'll, he'll tell his story, but he's the chaplain of the University of Pennsylvania. And can I just even argue, to know that there is a man in that high of a position at the university, at an Ivy League school, the does that not minds. just do my mm-hmm. heart so well? Oh, mm-hmm. so much good of just knowing that man loves Jesus and he is influencing a lot of lives. At, but when he speaks, people listen and they should. And you should check out what he does. Like he does some writing as well uh, uh, online and uh, just just check it out. But um, but I, I look forward to this and I look forward to you listeners hearing it. So here we go. Chaz Howard. Today, we have the pleasure, the honor of sitting down with a friend of mine, someone that has actually spoken just incredible truth into my life and challenged me in great ways. And so I'm very excited he's here. Chaplain of the University of Pennsylvania, the Reverend Dr. Chaz Howard, or does anyone call you Charles or? Charlemagne, usually. Charlemagne. Yeah, I just go by Chaz. 
No, not really Charlemagne. It should be. <laughs> Have you thought of changing it? I tried. Uh, my wife won't let me, though. I tried. <laughs> Awesome. Um, so Chaz, uh, the elevator speech of, who's Chaz Howard? Oh man, I'm a son of Baltimore, a godson of Philly, a dad of three growing girls, turning 13, 11, and 3. And I get to I have the great honor and privilege of serving at University of Pennsylvania. It's abs- How long have you been at University of Pennsylvania? 21 years total. I was a student there many, yeah. many moons ago. Uh, <laughs> and I've been in this position for going on 10 years now. You have written four or five books, the latest being Pond River Ocean Rain. And can you tell us a little bit about that book, what it is, who it's for? I appreciate you asking, man. You know, it uses water metaphors to, to speak about our journey with God. It originally really was a book of poems that were kind of journaly poems trying to describe my and articulate my own love of God. And so there's a pond near my office down on campus uh, called the Bio Pond I like to visit. And, and we're, our school is right close to the Schuylkill River, mm-hmm. um, which I like to walk to and, and when I was a student and now as, as an adult. And I like going down to, down to shore, as they say here, over to Ocean City and some other spots. And I just like playing in the rain. And so, I, so all those things really, to me, reflect God. Uh, the stillness of the pond, and I think about, you know, be still and know that I am God. Literally, I've had to go there and sit still and discern uh, different moments in life, whether I was being called to marriage or called to to ministry, all those decisions I made there at that pond in the stillness of it. And sitting by the river and seeing the kind of strong current that pulls those crew boats down there and thinking about kind of Holy Spirit moving in my life and just trying to trust that the current will will get me where I'm supposed to go. Or sitting in the ocean at Ocean City and just the, the relentlessness of the waves, like that uh, that song, your love is relentless. And, and I think about that when the waves just hit my legs and hit me and, and God's just majestic love. But then you kind of go further and the deep mystery of the ocean too and, 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 and the need for comfort with mystery uh, that is a part of, the, of our faith. And so, so the ocean really reflects that to me of not needing to know everything, but being okay with the depths of, of the journey with God and having peace with that. And then just kind of, you know, rain has always spoke to me in a couple of ways, the way that it makes things grow. Nothing can grow without God pouring into it, whether it's a tree or a flower or, or ministry or our own deepening and journeying with God. And so the, the rain reminds me of, of the need to be watered by God. Uh, as well, and so I try to write all, all uh, try to try to draw some of those stories out, and I, you know, put some stories from ministry and growing up in there, and try to write in a way so it's kind of devotionally but accessible for for people who are journeying with God, learning about God for the first time, mm. but really want to um, push a little further in in the living water that Christ is, um, and and that the full Trinitarian God is too. That's all. That's awesome. I was saying earlier about the timing of some of your writing, and uh, I, I remember that when Trayvon Martin, uh, when that stuff was happening, and a piece you did, your ability to speak into some of the racial tensions that our country has been, uh, I always hate to say like dealing with, because I just feel like we've been dealing with it, whether it was said or not, for 400 e- years. Forever, That's exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, we've never gotten it right. But in the world of youth ministry, Racial tensions are there. Is there something you can offer people listening? But anything you can speak into that would just be so valuable for us. I mean, I think the fact that you're raising that question here is a testament to to your character. Um, all three of you, Johns, I think uh, the, the fact that you're 
aware that that needs to be tackled in uh, in youth ministry. I think is an important thing. And, and to me, I think that'd be the first piece of advice I would give uh, to youth ministers to not shy away from it. I mean, I think that the things we don't talk about in public or with other people are, um, you know, faith, religion, and and politics. Yeah. yeah. And there's a reason. We a I think we don't want to offend other people. Mm-hmm. But but B I think we're we're nervous we're going to mess it up. Yeah. Um, and so it's easier to to focus in our in our in our sweet spots and the things that we're comfortable with, as opposed to the to the really hard issues we may not have even worked out ourselves. And so right. I think the advice would be: don't be afraid to have those conversations. And you don't need to land on on a hard answer with advice for your students, for the people who mm. who, who you're ministering to. I think just naming it and saying, "Hey, this is hard for me too." Not only diving deep into scripture or character building or, you know, kind of the, the experience of being in high school or middle school today. But just put pitch in the question, I don't know if you all have heard about what happened, but someone your age died. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be sad or, or too grim or too heavy, but this is of concern to God. Mm. This is certainly of concern to Jesus. Why shouldn't it be of concern to you, you know, folks in my youth group, or, or to us? peers um, and, and what can a Christian a young Christian response be to it and to hold that question I think we at our peril don't give enough respect to the minds and hearts of young people on these kind of issues yeah yeah asking them hey look you know, we, we don't know all the facts mm-hmm. but here's what we what we know so far what do y'all think about that but but beyond that sad it makes me sad what what can we think about this as Christians and then what should our response be as Christians all of us, not just the black kid in the room, but everybody. Right. And what can we do to, to not only grieve with and show a, a, a Christ-like compassion you know, when Jesus wept, when Lazarus was in the grave, but what can we do to, to alleviate systems that are causing that kind of violence against black and brown and poor white bodies? And to hold that question, because you never know what seed you might be planting, that kid might grow up to be a cop. Yeah. or a politician, or a doctor, or an educator, and will never forget that you posed that question to them when they were young. Sometimes we get really scared about not, uh, I, I want to I put a bow on this. And it's like, guess what? No, actually, the most important conversations don't get a bow. Mm. Uh, you know, and, mm. and, and the most important place to have them is in the church. But if we get scared of them, that means the most important conversations don't happen in the most important place. Exactly right. Uh, and I think that I think that people listening need to hear that, that don't be afraid to jump. And, I, and actually, I think you should be encouraged to jump into the messy waters of the things that don't have an obvious answer, that, that we need to jump into that uh, more than the ones that actually have the obvious answer. I mean, and, and, you know, as someone who has been that one black or brown or minority face in in youth groups in in churches for that matter the experience is already marginalizing not only do people not look like you but i'll speak very personally here often the mute this is not the music that i grew up with mm. it's not the worship type music this is not who i'm listening to in my headphones we are you know, this is not the food that i would like to eat it's already you already <laughs> feel different but not only you know the these are sort of minorish things Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when the big things aren't named, and so mm-hmm. I remember very clearly um, that Sunday after the news about Trayvon broke, and it, everyone in my circles was like, "Hey, we're wearing hoodies to church," mm-hmm. and and I saw it all over social media, and, and then I wore a hoodie to church, and like no one else did. 
and that's not to beat people up. I think part of it is they just didn't know. I mean, right, I mean, right. Half, half the church isn't on. It didn't come up their Facebook feed. It didn't. But, and, and, oh. and, but it, it's just and the thing that was most painful to me that week was not even named. Yeah. And that's not a knock against anybody at all. It's, it's, it's a challenge for us to kind of care about what's yeah. important to other people. Not every black person is, 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 is focused on all that stuff, mm. but most are. Mm. I think so. Mm. I, I think it's a, it's an important thing to to think about bringing into your orbit, into the orbits of the folks under your watch. So, so I got a little bit of a lightning round questions here for you. Just three, and two of them are incredibly similar, and one is probably the most important. So, number one, authors that we're probably not reading that we should be. Susan Howatch, uh, Henry Nowen, Kirk Jones, mm. Harlem Renaissance authors, mm. more poetry. Awesome, awesome. Music we're not listening to, but probably should be. Hip-hop. Oh, yeah. But I think it's important to be exposed to what our, our, our students and our youth group folks are listening to, even when they say they're only listening to Hillsong and Chris Tomlin. I think most of the time they're actually listening to a little bit more. And, and you know, not to speak too long about this, so much of their faith and theology is being formed yes. by yes. You know, Drake, Lil Wayne, particularly people like J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar. Who can, and you could do a whole podcast on Kendrick Lamar. And so if, if Kendrick is influencing them theologically, we absolutely need to be doing the same. And he's a deep brother, too. And just good music in yeah. general, mostly good music. So I, I, I'd say I'd put Kendrick high on that list. Um, the last one, and this, I mean, if you need to take a little bit of time on this, I understand. Use some seminary training. The comic book character that does not yet have a movie or show that should have a movie or show. I, I know you're a fan. Actually, first I should ask. Are you more DC or more Marvel? I'm always Marvel. Man. You're always Marvel. Though I've been reading Injustice, which is painful and so good. Painful <laughs> and so good in DC, yeah. but I'm a Marvel cat. So so which one, I'm guessing it's going to be Marvel then, should have a movie or, or, uh, or, or, or show but doesn't yet? The best non-Marvel or DC one would be oh. Matt Kent's Mind Management, oh. a really great, great uh, series that, that that was terminal. It was only like a 40 or 50 issue one. Saga is another really good one that's non-Marvel or DC. Um, in Marvel, I'm an X-Men guy, and so mm-hmm. you know I, mm-hmm. they've brought it all. I think Professor X and Jean really should probably have their own, oh. um, own uh, movies, own series there. Um, but I think the one that they will do and should do is is that new Ms. Marvel, um, oh. the young Muslim, uh, kind of the same powers as like kind of a plastic man, kind of, but a little <laughs> little more cool. And, and I and I think it would be revolutionary to have a young Muslim uh, woman superhero who is Ms. Marvel right now to see that on the screen. Let me let me ask something because this is this sort of is a weird combination of thing, but I just don't know the answer to this. So Miss Marvel is a like a practicing Muslim woman yeah. in in the comic books right now. That's mm-hmm. where she is. Mm-hmm. Is there a comic book hero that is a practicing Christian? There are, are storylines where, you know, you find characters in churches. So you know, Daredevil has this sort of very complicated, tortured faith thing. Um, they're old in in kind of the. Cold War era, you saw Superman depicted as being a Christian. It, it, oh, a guy who was Kryptonian, you know, kind of, which is deep. Um, but, but kind of that super all-American guy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, where Superman and Captain America, the, and the conflation of, of Christianity and patriotism, you did. But as, as a practicing Christian, Nightcrawler from the X-Men, 
who in some storylines actually is a priest. Yes, yes um, I do remember that. He yes. is a very strong uh, Catholic Christian guy. And, and that's a big part of his storyline is being portrayed as kind of like a seen as demonic because he's this blue guy with this pointy tail and, you know, bamps around. But but guy who really loves Jesus and is praying in many of, of the um, story, story arcs in there. And, and his being tortured with kind of having to be violent as a superhero and hating that. Um, Nightcrawler probably would be one of the stronger Christian characters that I could, I could think of right now. Luke Cage, I mean, I think uh, it is... He has is, like a complicated... Yeah, because his, compli- his father... His father was a pastor. His pastor, uh, yes. And, um, right. and I think is seen as being a prayerful dude at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there, there are a couple other ones, but Nightcrawler is probably the strongest one in the Marvel Universe uh, that, I, that I can think of right now. Awesome. Well, uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, put a bow on it because we can. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much for talking with us. Uh, Chaz Howard, if people want to uh, follow you on Twitter or uh, all these things, can they do that? Do you have a Twitter account? I, I do have a Twitter account, uh, Chaz, C-H-A-Z underscore Howard. And, and I just have to give a shout out to you guys, man. The, the three of y'all, I, I love this podcast. I'm, I'm downloading all the episodes. This is so fresh. And, and I think this is, it's already been a blessing to me. Uh, and I pray you guys bless uh, thousands and millions of listeners. Uh, thank you so much. So let me say, I personally loved this interview. Love it. Mm. Enjoyed it so much. There was a few things that were brought up, but by and large, we could take any one of these topics yeah. and go real deep. <laughs> really mm-hmm. Real deep. What do you think? Uh, yeah. There's just so much here. I absolutely think you're right. Um, I know that one of the things that I I wanted to ask him more, and I just felt like we ran out of time, but I wanted to ask him even more about the racial tensions, and mm-hmm. he has spoken into it publicly incredibly well. Uh, I know that he has been on marches, and mm-hmm. uh, he has written for uh, multiple outlets, including like Huffington Post, and he's been uh, interviewed uh, on some news channels, but like... He told uh, a story of just how when when he went to UPenn as a student, so he was a student at UPenn, everyone just assumed he was on the basketball team, okay? Uh, Because how else could a black guy get into an Ivy League school? And it's Mm -hmm. just amazing how, you know what? I've been guilty of that, and I don't consider myself racist, but no, no, that that's racist thought, and that, that's that, that is racial tension that is in our society. That you know, even though that may be more than twenty years ago that that happened, that's still issues. Something as simple as that mm-hmm. uh, that that comes into uh, today, today. And, you know, he talked about like kids in our youth group. Um, uh-huh. what was the, you, you mentioned the, uh, the story he mentions about the hoodie that really stuck out to you. Yeah. How tragic is it when a, someone is a part of a community that experiences a loss and they go to the church and the church never even mentions it by name, never yeah. says it out loud. Yeah. So there is a movement online of like hashtag say their name. Uh-huh. What does it mean to be a part of a faith community or to do youth ministry in such a way that you name? You don't have to resolve, mm-hmm. but at least name the tragedies, the tensions, the don't the don't, grief. don't use generalities. 
you know, God, we yeah. want to pray for the racial tensions in our world right now. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's, that's great. But no, no, I want to pray for the family of, uh, whether it's Trayvon or Eric or, uh, you know, the different people, like, actually say it. Right. Uh, because I also think that our kids think we're idiots when we don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah there's something to that. Yeah. And it, what it really boils down to is fear. And, Absolutely. you know, just feeling Absolutely. like this is, a, this is such an area we're unprepared to deal with. Uh, but the problem is we think we need to come in with answers and like resolute mm. stances. And we really don't. Like the biggest thing that needs to come through all of this is empathy. Mm-hmm. Just being able to, uh, to even just say like, I want to understand this better. I want to understand other cultures, worlds better. It, mm-hmm. It's so this past, uh, the past couple years has been, you know, a lot of people will say an explosion in racial tension. And, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's one of those things where maybe it's always been tense. Well, like he said, he well, said in the interview. But now it's, we're just aware. Yeah, we're now, slow to the, the It's the always been tense. It, it, he, we even, he, we laughed about it because I think I said something like, I want to say, you know, the recent racial tensions, but it's really kind of always been a thing. He's like, yeah, you know, 4,000 years, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's a, it's absolutely true. And once again, to, I I don't think it helps anyone's ministry, anyone's authenticity to to, let's just pretend it's not. There's even been studies on this about little kids, um, about, you know, little kids notice when, when another kid doesn't look like them. Mm-hmm. And the dumbest thing that I've heard parents say, and I'm sorry if you say this, and, or if you're a friend of mine and you've, you've said this, mm-hmm. but the idea of saying that my kids don't see color, that mm-hmm. has just been over and over again proven wrong. Kids uh, see yeah. color, they just don't mind it. Exactly. Right? They, they don't, they, yeah. they can be taught, no one can be taught to not see color color. Mm-hmm. I noticed that, you know, you have a beard and I don't or what, you know, right. I mean, like for heaven's sake, I don't see facial hair. Exactly. Yes. You know, Hey, I don't right. Yeah. No. So, and it seems like what they're trying to communicate is I don't see a difference in the humanity of it, but it's like, right. you're, you're, you can't just turn a blind eye to this. And right. I think the, the person who most influenced me, uh, from listening speak is propaganda. Um, oh, he's good. Is great. He is so eloquent, and he yeah. is just able to take yeah. ideas and be like, I don't know, it's just eyes open. And yeah. um, so there have been so many things, like he has been a major influence on me in navigating this for myself. Mm. Uh-huh. Um, but the problem that I find with a lot of people is they stop at, well, I'm not a racist. Right. Cool. Awesome. And that's where it and, ends. And a by whole the way, nation of not racists. And by the way, you get to decide that apparently. Absolutely. Oh, that's like yep. saying I'm really approachable. Trust yeah. me. <laughs> I'm super humble. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I want to say his interview made me realize that it's one thing to teach youth kids. It's important to teach teenagers the Bible. It's important to teach them the virtues of the faith. But it's another thing to teach people to be compassionate which that word means to suffer with someone. How do we encourage our youth groups to suffer with those who suffer? The empathy and compassion. That is empathy. That's living out the Beatitudes. Mm. And so, man, uh, listening to Chaz, he seems like a person who's really been transformed by the Jesus that he loves. Mm -hmm. And that is such a fantastic model for his children. That's a fantastic model for his church. Just to be a person that's transformed by their faith, yeah, yeah, in a deep, deep way. Mm-hmm. I even, as as he was talking, 
I was kind of there regretting the fact that like, I didn't march when he marched mm. with certain things. And you know why I didn't? Because I didn't agree with everything that group said, whatever that group was. Mm. And then I thought, oh my goodness, that's such a stupid thought to have. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Like, I only march when I completely agree with the... Then you never march. I only go to church because I completely it, agree with, with it. everything well, that that's no. ever been said <laughs> right. uh, in the name of Christ. Oh, yeah. Same no. Well, oh, my goodness. One of my favorite things, I had a mentor that told me, <laughs> we don't need a church that tells us all the places where we're right. We need a church that tells us where mm-hmm. we're wrong, yeah. mm-hmm. which I think is G.K. Chesterton who really said that. But can our churches and can our youth ministries be places that, uh, I guess that's hard to say, to, to correct us, oh. to show us where we're short-sighted, the places where we, are, we got a blind spot? Yeah, sweetly broken. The, you know, the idea to, to help us yeah, help us realize how mm. sweet... To, it's not even to to break us, because no, but to help us realize how, how broken we are. Uh, and right. uh, uh, But I, yeah, I, and it's also always a, yay, best youth group ever. Hey, hey, Jonathan, tell us how we suck this week. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not exactly the best attended youth group I've ever heard of. <laughs> but uh, to just understand the areas of improvement kind of a feel. So one of the things is that... I, I don't do many things well, that's for sure. But one thing I actually got right is on this topic, I actually sat down and talked with someone who uh, is actually an ESL teacher mm. uh, in the schools. Oh, and, interesting. Uh, in my area, there's a large Democrat... Democrat. I'm very proud of you. There's a large <laughs> demographic of Hispanics. Oh. And the thing that I keep playing over my head is uh, immigrantism is something that's close to my heart. Mm. Uh, it's something that doesn't get as much uh, airtime as racism because, you know, it. but it's all discrimination. Some people would argue it's uh-huh. actually a different name, yeah. same problem. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Sure. So you may not be disrupted by someone's color, but maybe you're disrupted by their accent. In mm. fact, they don't know how to be American. Um, but... One of the best things I did was sit down with this teacher and just say, tell me about the Hispanic life here. Like when Mm -hmm. they come here, tell me about them. Mm -hmm. And I sat down for an hour just listening and my heart kept breaking of like the story of these people who have a much harder time uh, just existing. It's harder. Let's call it what it is. It's Mm. easier for me uh, being in this country, being, you know, an immigrant 200 years ago, both sides of my family, it's easier for me to exist than it is someone else coming over. And just listening and asking questions is the first step. So at some point, we got to get past theory of wanting to get this under control and just start listening to people we haven't listened to before, people not in our exact demographic. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely one of those more complicated than will ever be solved in a podcast episode kind of deal. But I, I just feel like in our own ministry settings, uh, step one, I think Chaz even said this about just the fact that you have this conversation of, you know, can, how is this affecting youth ministry right now? Because it yes. is. So mm. Please do not pretend that this doesn't apply to your youth ministry. I, I really feel sorry for you if if that's going through your head right now as you listen to us. Um, and, I mean, for heaven's sake, Sunday morning is the most segregated hour, you know, yeah. in, in, in America, unfortunately. Yeah. And, but to, to just, 
again, to, to, I feel like too many times we've played the ostrich and stuck our head in the sand. Yeah. And I've been told, of mm-hmm. course, that ostriches don't actually do that. But, but that's... I believe they that, do. That, that, that's just the unfortunate... That, that's what we've been doing. I know that. Well, yeah, there you go. Uh, is, uh, can we just pretend that, stop pretending that that doesn't happen? On, on a Sunday where we could have reached out to... Uh, uh, you know, I think Chaz mentioned about the hoodie. Yes. You know? Yeah. That, 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 that church didn't try to do anything... You know, wrong. Bad. It wasn't yeah. necessarily on people's radar. It just, it was just something that made someone who is very self, you know, aware and, and you know, a pretty strong person feel so uncared for. Mm. Now, the thing is, think about people that aren't even, I mean, Chaz is a pretty strong person. Yeah. How many people felt uncared for that we'll, we won't even know about? How many people have right. come in my church's doors, uh, my youth group stores, and felt incredibly uncared about? And, I'll just never even know. Yeah. To go back to the compassion piece, I was told once that compassion has got three parts to it, three choices. The first is the choice to see. Mm -hmm. The second is the choice to feel. And the third is the choice to do something about it. Mm, I like that. How can we encourage our youth to see the pain in the world around us, Mm -hmm. then to feel it in an appropriate way for their age, like... (laughs) 12-year-olds aren't able to engage the pain in the world as much as a 17-year-old might. Or at least differently. uh, That's true. Exactly, yeah. And, man, can we be a church that actually does something? Yeah. I think that's a, I, I think that's a great, that's a three week something. series right there. Congratulations, everybody. <laughs> I know that's happening this, see, this to year. To feel and to do. Yeah. There you go. I the three choices of compassionate living. Oh man, that's yeah. so good. The final plug I would put in there is I really believe in Gen Z, this generation here, 20 and under. I just, I believe in them. I, I think they are better at this than we are. I really do. Yep. I think that they are the generation, once they start coming into leadership, once they start having kids and they're passing on their values. And have the ability to vote. Yeah. I really believe that it's, it'll never go away, but I believe their voice is going to continue to be heard and they're going to continue to lead from the bottom of the generation. Mm. I think this is the generation to do it. Maybe I'm optimistic, but projecting 20 years out or so, I think, I think it's great to have that crucial. hope. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I uh, I'll, I'll say two things as a quick wrap wrap up here. Um, number one, that what you just said about you know the, the idea of the next generation and the hope. I, I think Tony Campolo speaks to that, which is actually the next three episodes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I'm really excited about the next three episodes. So if you're listening, please, uh, Tony Campolo. He actually. He just kind of unloaded, and we'll talk more about that. So That's we right. just we were just like That's right. we just hit record and went with it. So it took three episodes to keep it all in there. It was incredible. <laughs> but he mentions about hey, we're not letting youth run enough with this. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, like yeah. we're not letting them do. We're not letting them even. Right. Do. We're actually holding them back from step three. Uh, so I think that that's something that would be really great. Uh, 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 and I also want to really push uh, that. Uh, is it just so awesome that? As Chaz is talking, and he, and it's just this amazing stuff and deep stuff, he also is just able, with that same passion, mm-hmm. talk about Marvel versus DC. Oh, yeah. And, that has to and be And I, I completely agree with him about that uh, Miss Marvel thing. Man, that does have to be a, uh, a movie. Uh, <laughs> and and we, Nightcrawler. The Nightcrawler. We have to hashtag Nightcrawler. Nightcrawl- is up there. We have to hashtag Nightcrawler like crazy because that is a really fascinating thing, though. 
and this is this this could go on forever. But how interesting is it though that there really isn't the, the only practicing Christian in the comic book world is Catholic, and in fact, it's almost all of them. The the huh. de- the, the the positive Christian practicing Christian, uh, all of the all of the examples, and I looked it up too. Really, there's not much outside the Catholic a world. Monk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, <laughs> and it's a really fascinating thing that uh, if you get your Christian theology from comic books. Uh, or your your not your theology, but like that that's your that's your doorway into the Christian world. Catholic is really the only religion that's made its way into comic books. I, I just found that to be interesting, and that's a longer conversation. Um, so please, we have to wrap this up. So please check us out uh, on Twitter. Follow us at uh, J3 Youth Ministry. Uh, go to J3YouthMinistry.com. Check out our websites, uh, iTunes, obviously, if uh, that's where you check out the podcast. Please share the podcast with people you know that would be interested in the conversations we're having. Uh, and then email us at j3youthmen at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am so blessed that you are listening to us. Thank you so much. I am Jonathan Hobbs. I'm John Chafee. And I'm Johnny Radcliffe. Thank you for listening to the J3 Youth Ministry Podcast. Podcast.